He's just what you'd expect for a man who covers sports. Six foot four, two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, wiry. But he does know Kansas City sports as well as anyone. He's Kansas City Star columnist Sam McDowell on the program. You know, Sam, there are some people that they just, you know, koofness is not something they're concerned with. <laughs> they have a want and they're going to do whatever it takes and they're, they're going to get what they want. Patrick Mahomes? Oh, uh, that, that's not a koofness deal, but that's that's interesting. Nice segue, you know, is what you're trying to do there. Sam McDowell is with us, columnist for the Kansas City Star, joins us every Tuesday here in the uh, program. Sam, of course, brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. He's always a gem. If you want the very best when it comes to uh, Valentine's gifts, uh, nobody knows more about the stones, uh, the metals. Uh, you want the uh, finest jewelry you're going to find anywhere around. Joslin's Jewelry's been giving that to Kansas City for more than 40 years. Right there at 95th and Antioch, Gary Joslin and his team. Uh, more than 100,000 repairs as well. You have a company that stands behind every piece of jewelry that they sell cut in clarity you know valentine's day number one time to get engaged if you're doing it more than a thousand engagement rings to choose from uh every diamond that gary joslin has is scintillating you can see for yourself cut and color is the key nobody no more experienced staff some of his staff have been there for more than 30 years they know jewelry forward and backward if you want the best uh best ring you can give uh for the most important time you're going to give it only one place to go, Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, online at com. Sam, tell me, what's your reaction to the veto of Frank White being overridden? Um, I mean, look, I mean, a couple of these legislators have, have kind of been all over the place, so I don't know that I really had an expectation um, going into the weekend. I'd heard some stuff over the weekend that that, that might happen, but... Um, I think one of the bigger reactions we should all take is, like, these te- these teams still have work to do. I mean, they, they still got some stuff that the public needs to be aware of, even if the legislators said that they trust it's going to get to the finish line. Like, the, the voters still need to see it. So, I mean, Burrell's got to pick a site. Um, and, look, I, I reported back in November that they were the looking The deadline at, is September of 23. Right. So their own, their own deadline. Yeah. Um, and I reported back in November that – the star site, the former Kansas City Star Press Pavilion over there on McGee between Crossroads and Power and Light District is the leader in the clubhouse. That's still the case. The team actually has not come out and told the public that. Um, why is it Why the is last, it the leader in the clubhouse? Then? It's just where all their recent conversations have focused. And um, their conversations with the county, their conversations with the city um, has all focused on that particular site. But the last we heard from the team on the sites were the two finalists were East Village and North Kansas City. Then they ruled out North Kansas City by saying, hey, if this pending the tax getting on the ballot and passing it on April 2nd, they'll be committed to Jackson County. Um, well, the only one of their finalists was in Jackson County, but I'm told that their conversations are not focused on, on that site. So my, my point in saying that is they the public is going to need to know this information before they vote on the site because those sites are vastly well different. what do we know about the chiefs other than we know the site we know the site um, what do we know about what they're going to do to it right they, they need to no, publicize, just take our word for it they It'll need be to public, good. they need to publicize that as well and look i do think these teams are going to do this but my point in bringing this up is we are inside of three three months already um it's about two two months and two weeks 
to the voters will get a chance to to weigh their opinion on this. And the shorter runway you give them, I don't think that works in the team's favors at all Um, because this is already something that even if Frank White did not ultimately prevent this from getting on the April ballot or at least prevent the the type of measure on the ballot that he wanted, um, he did, by his dissent, publicize that there's reason for some people to question whether or not they should just automatically vote for this. And those people that question themselves, I think, are going to be looking at it perhaps a little bit more detailed. And that's the word I pick intentionally because the details are what's missing right now. So what what will happen? I don't know if it's going to. I mean, look, I mean, the team, I've heard so much about the polling results since this, this whole thing started. Um, and I think the teams would tell you that the, the, the polling shows that there's there's support for this. Um, I think that there has been hesitation at the county level um, that something like this will pass. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if this is going to pass or not, okay. but I do know that they are going to have to figure out these details beforehand. All right. So before, and you think it needs to be much sooner rather than later, we're going to hear a cite. The Royals before is, before is, they vote, there will be a site. Yeah, well, as part of their letter intent, because Oklahoma Royals, passed the Royals a billion dollars for the Thunder to build a new building, and they don't have any idea of what it's going to be used for. Yeah, so the Royals is part of their letter intent, letter of intent, which you know, obviously, the, the county and Frank White pointed out is a nine binding agreement. Um, but uh, in that letter of intent. Um, said that they would announce their site by February 29th, which, again, I think it needs to be sooner than that because that gives you about four, a little more than four weeks to mm-hmm. fully campaign. To me, I mean, ideally, like ideal situation, like whether it's Kansas City, St. Louis, wherever it is, ideal situation is you have a project that is so exciting. You want your voters to have a long time to digest it because – the project is just it's 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 that great as far as community benefit as far as to be honest i think the look of it will sway some people um and i just think the longer you give people to to digest what that is because you're so excited about the project and again that's regardless of whatever project it is i think that would is what would generate the most support um but you know i mean we we still don't have a site yet uh are the chief's offices and practice facility going to be at the Arrowhead site? The, from my understanding, first of all, they haven't committed to that, right? Um, and obviously, that's was that was a very. I, I want to point this out because that was a very late arriving aspect of those negotiations. That is not a piece of the negotiations that, for example, has been a back and forth nature for the past year. Um, well, I think it's because somebody at the city late. just recognized the county. Oh, wait yeah. a minute, or a county? Yes, just recognized. Oh, wait a minute. Because their current lease doesn't require them to stay in Jackson County either. No, but, but nobody ever thought that they there was a possibility to go anywhere because no other team had ever done it like that. Now many teams have, and one of them's been yes. uber successful doing it as far as creating you know yes. an economic engine. And Dallas, Dallas is Cowboys. doing it. Minnesota's doing it. Um, and so, so now it's right. a thing. It's in it. In the key word in what you just said is it is an economic. Um, there was not a need for a space force. Right. Yeah. Until you went to space. <laughs> So, um, but 
my understanding is, you know, I mean, the chiefs in, in, a, in a letter of intent that they had sent back to the county at one point said they have no plans to leave Jackson County, but all they would commit to is that basically Jackson County has the first shot. Um, doesn't mean they'll get the last shot. Okay. So, and they knew, I mean, you and I know based on, I mean, there's, they're based on being in that facility, based on reading the player survey from a year ago. Like, that facility needs to be upgraded. I mean, it's the, whatever happens, um, I don't think when a new, when a renovated Arrowhead um, hypothetically opens in 2031, 2032, that it's going to be with the exact same practice facilities as we know them now. And they haven't even been there that long as far as office buildings go, which is what that largely is. Yeah, I don't know that in relative to the rest of the league. Is, is that is that right? I, I know it as far as, as offices go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People don't, you know, companies kind of go in, especially when they build their own. They don't usually go, well, this is antiquated. Well, you're the dumbasses that designed it. So what were you thinking? Right? Like, so I, I just, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think they they put a lot more money in than the Royals did on the last go-round to build that. But I think there was a limit to how much they'd go, and if they had it to do over again, they would have put even more in back then. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't hear. Do you hear that Kansas is gearing up to go try to get the Chiefs practice facility? And I know they take them. Um, I mean, I know I know Kansas. Um, I know there are a lot of developers that are all hot to try for it, but there is nothing going in the government. The people I talk to, as far as getting anything on a ballot, getting legislature, getting all that kind of stuff going, you're like yeah, like oh, we're there, but like to this point, the the the, the Royals, I mean, they're both signing on and saying we'll stay in Jackson County. Yes, yes. I mean that that's always been their preference from day one. Like there's there's been um, noise created by the Royals at one point for sure with Clay County that has. Uh, put in our minds the, the possibilities that they could be leaving Jackson County. The preference has so never then, changed for them to want to be So I, I hear that, too, that, oh, Kansas to take him. Then get off your ass. Like, if, Can- you're, if you're really that, like, yeah, they'd take him if it fell in their lap. But Kansas is doing nothing to go get them. So they have not had conversations with with the teams, like for them to move their their stadiums there. There's not like there has not been like back and forth negotiations. With and if that. you wanted them, wouldn't that be the first thing? I don't know. Pick up the phone, call, tell them what you you're offering, tell them why you're better. Wouldn't that be how it'd start? I'd, I'd, I'd be Is surprised it, if the teams are in the dark. She's about not that. gonna dance with you if you don't walk across and go. Hey, would you like to dance? I'd be surprised if the teams aren't aware of that. Um, whether, I mean, that's exactly how an approach has gone or whatnot, um, I still would be surprised if the teams are not aware of that, that option. Huh. And, look, I, th- I think we're all going to be more aware of it if, it if it doesn't pass. And that's not for me saying go out and vote for this thing because that could be an option. I'm just saying I think when we look at April and say what are what's the fallout if it doesn't pass, I, I think that's probably it is that the teams start at least, like, you know, just entertaining other offers. Not And, heck, the Royals entertain another offer too, and guess what? They're on. They're going to be on a ballot in Jackson County in the end. And so they get this money from Jackson County. That's not covering it. There's no, no shovel goes oh, in no. the ground. No, no. If, if this goes on the ballot and passes, they're not doing anything. The tax just keeps being taxed. Well, and that's the the primary reason that the teams are really targeting April's because this is not 
just tax just Jackson ta- County taking care April of April because they need the sitting governor in Missouri yes. to do what yes. he said he'll do and to have it be before the general assembly this this year so um, yeah I mean they have support from the current governor who's out of office at the uh, start of next year um, and doesn't mean the next governor wouldn't support it but you know this one is um, he's publicly said it um, he's privately told people he'll do whatever it takes to keep the Chiefs I mean obviously the state's already lost one football team they're not interested in losing a second NFL team um, so when you prefer to negotiate with the known as opposed to the unknown but the city's very supportive of this project as well and jumping through a lot of hoops for the Royals project in particular because the Royals project does include a move and that's when I point out these two sites are vastly different like the heart of it is the east village there's not there's not a lot there in the east village right now there's a lot in the crossroads area right now including an art district um there's a lot of small businesses in kansas city right now um and you know with with an email that i obtained through the missouri sunshine law i mean the mayor at one point mentions to frank white is a little bit of a a a persuasion email that um, the city has taken on and, and talked about condemnation of buildings over there at that crossroads site. So that's why I said that the Royals are going to have to announce that site sooner rather than later because there's a there's um, you know a trickle down effect for what each site means, and that effect is different for for each site. So does it pass? I really don't know. Um, I mean, I I think probably yes because the city. Um, the county itself passes taxes a lot more often than it declines them, especially since um, I'm not sure exactly what the language is going to be um, as far as, you know, renew is a very important word when it comes to ballot. Um, so my gut tells me that it will, but I don't think it's, it's it's a guarantee. And a lot of my hesitation is because I don't know when we are going to get some information that people – there's different factions of the city that are going to define different aspects of this to be their most important, um, you know, guiding light for how they vote. You know, there's a lot of people that are invested in the community benefits aspect of this. The teams have, you know, sort of vowed to uh, to, to make that part of, of these stadium projects, both, bef- both during the build of the construction of the project and after it, it's, it is constructed. Um, but I know those groups want to see what it actually is going to look like in writing. Um, I just mentioned the aspect of the difference in sites. So there's there's different people that are going to be affected differently by this. And there's some people who are going to vote yes or no no matter what. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people that, that will, will tell me that they're supporting the project. And one of the things I said is, what, what project? Like, tell me exactly what what you're supporting just the idea of a new stadium um, because we, we do know that's going to be or do you, I think but I, I think there's a lot of people in that middle ground right now that, that want to know what what exactly am, am I voting for have you uh, have you talked to anybody about why the Chiefs got all the good concrete um, and yeah, that Arrowhead is is still a viable uh, stadium, but the crumbling concrete of Kaufman can't be saved. Have you I mean, have you gotten to the bottom of that? It's, it's obviously it's obviously a thing with with, with Frank. I, look, I, I I spoke with Frank White. Um, what was that January eighth, where the legislature eventually voted uh, initially voted to put this on the ballot, and that was something that upset him a lot. And that was at the start of the process because they have 
Um, you know, there's a report that you can go and read on the Jackson County uh, Complex Sports Authority website um, that says that the stadiums are in working condition. So that obviously was something that the, the Royals made part of their listening tour, um, the, the cancer of the concrete uh, line, and it's something that, that the county executive has for sure um, shown us dissent with from the entirety of this process. I've thought about that long and hard and what the possibilities could be. I think it might be that it's closer to the freeway. Oh, yeah. And just the vibration ah, from all the there trucks. There you go. Maybe the pollution, cause, pollution gets I think, I think that, that could be what it was, the gases from the, the exhaust. I think that's probably a, it's good that's theory, the yeah. best theory I can come up with. Did you post that on Reddit? I did not. Okay. I've never been on Reddit, amazingly. Okay. Maybe there's some apps. There's some apps that you could probably post that on and get some traction. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe something like about the, the wave patterns of Mike McCartney's voice on the PA just oh, destroys oh, concrete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's a bright. It's it's the crown vision. It's just it's a damn five G. <laughs> that was just the most. Well, the key for Arrowhead is the points. The points is that's, oh, that, that's that keeps what kept it. The, okay. That's. It has a, a, an ergonomic. That's twice we've used that word in the, in the show so far. It, it, keep, it, it helps it hold it up. It's like the arches on the Roman aqueducts. It's a very <laughs> strong aqu- uh, architectural that, marvel. That study that I mentioned on the Jackson County Complex Sports Story is exactly the stuff. It's exactly the stuff. This is exactly, exactly what's mentioned in the, it, that it, report. It could also just be um, poppycock. As they say. Yeah. That's also mentioned there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll talk about the uh, Chiefs and Ravens AFC championship game. We'll take a quick look back at the uh, game against the Bills. What can we take away from that? What pertains to the game against the Ravens? We do it with Sam McDowell. He's joining us uh, as he does each and every Tuesday here in the program. Brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. If you're looking for an engagement ring, more than a thousand to choose from. And nobody has been uh, more of an expert in jewelry for longer than Gary Joslin. Joslin's Jewelry is at 95th in Antioch online at joslinsjewelry.com. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue burnt. And of the hour answer, what franchise has the best all-time winning percentage in the conference championship game? Are the Ravens like 2-0? and No. How about, how, is there a minimum amount of games? Uh, yeah, m- any number of games. Oh. This team is 8-2. and two. The Bills? Nope. Eight and two. Mm-hmm. Cowboys? No, nope. no, no, no. Niners? Nope. Steelers? Nope. Steelers beat this team in an AFC title once. So eight times they've gone to the Super Bowl? Eight and two. Broncos? Denver. Oh. Broncos are eight and two. Bengals and Seahawks are three and one, though Seattle is three and oh as an NFC team. Your point? Just interesting. That it is. Uh, let's see. Who other teams did you mention? Bills are 6-3. and three. Steelers are 8-8. Eight and eight. Who else did somebody mention? 49. What are the Pats now? Pats are now 11-5. and five. They've played an entire 16-game schedule in the conference championship game. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive. I think uh, that's all the Packers were, 11-7. and seven. Um. 
plan for some uh, Joe's Kansas City mm-hmm. barbecue. You can get the best barbecue in the world at Joe's Kansas City barbecue, joeskc.com. That's joeskc.com to order it and pick it up tonight. Uh, you can uh, get a big platter for the uh, whole family if you like, or just grab you a meal uh, at 47th and Mission, uh, 119th and Strangline, and 117th and Row. And don't forget about the Kansas City barbecue store. If you want to do some cooking yourself, weather's warming up. Finally, get back outside, uh, whether you need a, a new Traeger grill like I did. Uh, uh, last year, uh, get over it. They got you covered. Grills, sauces, rubs, utensils, uh, know-how. They are the best in the business. It's uh, the Kansas City Barbecue Store at 119th and Strangline, right there across the uh, parking lot from Joe's in Olathe. Uh, we're talking to Sam McDowell here in the program. What was your biggest takeaway from the game in Buffalo? Look like the old Chiefs. Um, I mean, it was the best offensive performance they have and of the season and like a variety of different metrics they averaged 7.7 yards per play in the game they hadn't been at that number all year um most that three deep shots three balls that were completed beyond uh 20 air yards haven't had that all year patrick mahomes had his best completion percentage over expectation of the season it was just all set up that this environment which some of the players told me that um even at their hotel when they arrived, there were snowballs being thrown at. People were flipping them off, slapping their hands against the bus. Um, it, and it was loud in there. And by the way, as few Chiefs fans since I've been covering the team at a road game. Why would you go? All of this was set up to be this environment that would intimidate a guy who had not played on the road in the playoffs in his career. And instead, all the players told me that they could tell from the first walk through the week that Patrick Mahomes wanted to play on the road, that he was pumped for it. And they said, you know, the walkthrough is literally that. It's supposed to be a, a walk slash, like, jog through the plays it, to where he's not firing the ball. You're supposed to kind of soft toss it and that he was just firing it. And Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling told me that they were like, hey, Patrick, we're all in street clothes here. You know we're not in pads, right? Because he was just that amped on on the first walkthrough of the week. And there's some people I talked to in the building that knew that this was a game Patrick Mahomes was looking forward to, that it was not one he was going to be intimidated by. And what speaks to why one of the reasons he's he's so great is that he has that intensity, and yet in the game, sometimes you'll see when a player has that kind of intensity, particularly a quarterback, they're airmailing the ball a little high. He didn't seem to have any, no mistakes, no really bad balls at all. That's difficult to have that kind of intensity in a game that important at that position and go in and play as poised as he did in that game. Yeah, I mean, his only two um, mistakes, and I actually wrote about it today, but his, his two mistakes in that game were he missed Travis Kelsey on a first down, on a first and goal play in, uh, on a corner route. And two plays later, he missed Marquez Valdez-Scantling on third down on a corner route to the opposite side, to his right. The first one to his, was to his left. So later in the game, he's got Travis Kelsey on a corner route, and it's it's what's called a snag concept. They had three wide receivers on the left side. One one was obviously Kelsey. Uh, one was Noah Gray, who runs a five-yard hitch. McCole Hardman runs like an, an eight-yard out route, and then Kelsey runs the deep corner. It's his first touchdown, the, the Chiefs' first touchdown of that game. And Mahomes basically stares at McCole Hardman the whole way because he already knows in his mind, I'm throwing this to Travis Kelsey, and they've only got one cornerback back there, and he's going to have to choose between Hardman and Kelsey. Never, His eyes never leave McCall Hardman until he decides, I'm throwing this to Travis Kelsey. And in his mind the whole time, he knows, 
I'm throwing this to Travis Kelsey. Went back and watched, and like they ran that play last week against the Dolphins, except for Travis Kelsey's in a different spot, so he does get guarded, and so Noah Gray is open for 20 yards. They ran it in 2021 against the Cowboys, um, and they put Trayvon Diggs in that same isolated position, and Kelsey's the guy running the out route, so guess who Diggs goes and guards? Kelsey running the out route, and then Byron Pringle's wide open. So it's a play that Mahomes has like mastered, but it was just interesting because he had, it was the only you mentioned. I, I thought he played near perfect in that game, but that was the only throw he had missed. And then he decided with a, a chance to send the cornerback one way or the other. He's like, no, I want to throw this throw that I missed early in the game. Wow. And by the way, it's what got Kelsey. When you're watching a game and wondering, how do you leave that guy open? How do you leave Travis Kelsey that open? It was because Mahomes with his eyes got Travis Kelsey that. I think also Rashi Rice was the guy they came to stop. Like I, I don't, I don't think you can't take. We're going to take four receivers out of the game. You can take one out, and the one they tried to take out was Rashi Rice. And so, I mean, that was my feeling. That's what I would do too, so that Travis Kelsey would actually have less attention paid to him, more room to work, and he should have a good day. If he didn't have a good day, they're not still playing. Yeah, I mean, and with with Kelsey, I I think, look, I mean, sitting out week eighteen did Travis Kelsey a lot of good. And sir, I think you were out there when I asked him about it, like. I asked him about because the 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 thought about sitting week eighteen is he was going to be fresh for the first game against the Dolphins. They didn't know who they were going to play yet, but they ended up playing the Dolphins, and that's where it was going to help Travis Kelsey. And I thought Travis Kelsey looked fresher against the Dolphins. Now he dropped three passes, but I thought his legs looked better against the Dolphins than we had seen the back stretch of the season. He looked better against Buffalo too. And I asked him on the the, the Friday that I'm talking about and. Uh, about sitting out, I said, hey, looks like that was a good decision. And he said, it's actually helped me this week, too, because now I only have one game to bounce back from over the past you know, two weeks, and that earlier in the week his body was back to full speed because he had set out the previous week. I see. I think you're seeing the benefits of a guy who decided that the, the best decision was not going for an individual milestone. We didn't see Chris Jones much. Would his best decision have been not going yeah. for an individual payday? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, absolutely. But the one time we did see him was as big a play as the Chiefs actually had on Sunday, which was when he forced Josh Allen to get rid of a ball that um, they had an opening in the end zone if he did not force a hurry on, on that second down in the very last drive of the game. So you're good with the, his performance? No, I mean, the defensive line got manhandled the whole the whole game. And, look, I mean, when you're I, – I, I say this all the time, I, I think um, – it, look, it's probably the difference between like professional betters and like amateur betters. Is a lot of people go just on what happened last week, right? Um, so I, I try not to overreact on based on what we just saw for what's going to happen the next week. But the one carryover certainly is the run defense, right? I mean, they play a better run defense this week than they just played last week. I mean, they better run offense. Run off, sorry, yeah, run offense. I mean, the Ravens were better yards per carry. I think they had 15 more yards per game rushing, and obviously part of that's the quarterback, but part of it in Buffalo is the quarterback, too. Yeah, I uh, I give them credit for making halftime adjustments. They cut in half what the Bills were. They also started with the ball. It's the story of the season, though, yeah. with Spags, I think. It is. I think he was better, but I, I keep hearing a lot of that. I'm like, yeah, but they started with the ball, which is different than Help. Yeah. it helps when you get one less possession. Well, they, like, for sure, yeah. They, they, they did have four possessions in both halves. And really, the, the adjustments didn't come on like the first drive of the second half for Buffalo was 15 for 75. But then they shut off the next two. The next two Buffalo drives total of seven plays for five yards. That was where I think it but, really, really clicked. By the way, am I the only one? 
four possessions in each half. Now, part of it's because the offenses are so efficient; they go up and down. Like you, know, you used to, lead, now you lead the league in yards allowed at like what two seventy something. Mm-hmm. You used to lead at like two eighteen. You know, yeah. I mean, like I think I think even the eighty five Bears might have been down under two hundred yards. So it's a, the offensive game is much more efficient. Yes, they don't drop the ball much. Everybody completes sixty five percent of their passes. No one's completing forty eight percent and clock stopping on an incompletion and all that. And they've a long time ago went to starting the clock after the out of bounds. But do we maybe need to dial that back a little bit? We're only getting four possessions in each half. I think that was the build, a major part of the Bills' game plan was to limit the possessions of the game. I mean, it was running the ball, but also draining a lot of clock. I, I, I don't know that it wasn't a part of the Chiefs' game plan as well. I, I think it would be wise for them. I don't think they want their defense staff to play 12 possessions. I think defenses wear down. And we've seen numerous times where throughout the course of the game, the defense has been fine. They've only given up six points. Patrick Mahomes fumbled one and threw a pick six against the Raiders. They're doing fine. Except for they've been out there all day, and now they're not doing fine. And they get, you know, they're doing fine against the Broncos until they've been out there all day. And then they weren't doing fine, and the Broncos ran right over them at the end of the game. I mean, I think there's been an effort to play a little Bill Snyder ball. And, you know, I think part of that is handing it to. Isaiah Pacheco a little bit more, but it's also like let's stop trying to be so cute, and let's just keep the clock going. Let's keep the ball in the hands. Let's take the shorter stuff. I also think that whether it's been conscious, subconscious, whether it's well, we don't want to turn the ball over. We got to try to get away from that. By the way, the Ravens are plus twelve. The Chiefs are minus eleven. And and if you look at the, it's three and a half. It was three and a half, and last week the Chiefs were plus twenty two, plus one twenty two on the money line. Right now they are. It was a plus one fifty six. I'll look at it. That's a big swing in the confidence, and maybe I'm confusing. They were plus one and twenty two because I know we bet it uh, on the money line, and I saw one fifty six, and I, maybe that's one sixty six now. Plus one sixty six. Chiefs now. That is. I just want to point out that's forty cents on the dollar more confidence. That the Ravens will win this game. We, the spread is what most everybody bets, and that's what they get. But if you watch the money line, you get more of an indication of who the odds maker thinks is going to win. It's only a point difference, but it's forty cents on the dollar. And to further that point, even more, it's thirty-three percent more confidence that the Ravens will win than they had that the Bills would win. And to further that point even more, this probably involves the, the amount of money coming in on a given team. But the Ravens are minus one ninety-eight; they're almost minus two hundred. Yeah, well, the Ravens are historically good this year. Um, when you, I, I mentioned that DVOA stat last year or last week that grades teams on every single play of a football game. Um, so it matters, you know, that the Ravens, for example, have not lost by two possessions all year. By the way, there's only one team in the NFL that's, uh, besides the Ravens, that's only lost one game by one possession. That's the Chiefs when they lost in Denver. Ravens have, haven't lost by two possessions. So on a per-play basis, the Ravens are historically good. The, that DVOA stat that I'm talking about, they're fifth since 1981 in DVOA. Fifth best season. Of any team. Wow. And their defense is number one by a mile this year because when you look at their pass defense, and you can you can look at it based on how they how they defend left, right, and middle, deep, intermediate, and short, based on how they defend number one wide receivers, number two wide receivers, number tight end, all those categories I mentioned, they rank in the top eight. All of them. Like there's no weaknesses 
to their uh, to their defense, especially their pass defense. And that's why, I mean, I think a lot of people are treating this year's Ravens as last year's Ravens or the previous year's Ravens or even Lamar Jackson's Ravens. Lamar Jackson's had a good year. This Ravens team that's going to give the Chiefs the biggest challenge is their defense. It's really, really good. I agree with that. I also think that the Ravens are an analytically driven team. I know they are. Yeah. Talking except, to for Eric and, except for they still don't go four on fourth down. But you're right; they are an analytically. Well, but they, they, team. they, if you go back, they, they splat, they go for it on two for two, and they do a lot of the things. They haven't as well because I think part of that is analytics and how they construct stuff too. Well, and, and I think, I think. John Harbaugh has recognized, okay, I think he embraced the analytics and he did things. And, and it's what I've always said. The analytics tell you what's been. It's a good tool to help you out about what will be, but it's not what will be. It's what's been. So if things have changed, well, historically, it's what I say about the, all this fourth down stuff. Historically, they convert on fourth down, which are, which are, and it's like, well, you can boil that out and you can go with just fourth down when you get, okay, then you're getting to an extraordinarily small sample size. But largely, the biggest thing is like fourth down, they convert on, well, most of those are when a team is trailing by, losing. And that's, why, losing, that's one of the reasons. And they've they got to go for it, and the other team's in a prevent defense, and that's not what you're facing in the middle of the game, you know, in the second quarter, and you go for it on fourth and one at your own 36. They're not sitting back like, well, you can have it because we're just hoping the clock's going to get out of there. So there's elements to it. I think They've they waded into it, and then you're like, well, wait a minute, why isn't this working? Like we've been there. Oh, the play call matters, and oh, this matters, and you start finding other things. But I do, I do wonder because I think like Alabama basketball, right? Nate Oates has when they practice, they have the floor is colored. They have like I don't know mats, or they've I don't know how it is how they what they do, but they mark the floor. You can't shoot here. Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard that because this is an inefficient shot. They want layups. They want dunks and threes, right, basically. And so they have areas of the floor where they train them, don't shoot from here. Well, Alabama was like analytic. The Ken Palm had them at like six early on. But they were like, I don't know, seven and three or something. I was like, well, because they're doing all the things that fit the model, Right, so like, and overall, it will make them a better team, and they have begun to rise up the rankings, and they're playing better because they take good shots. But it's also like when you know what DVOA rewards, then you do the DVOA things, you get rewarded. But is but is everything that goes is every number that's input into creating that number, or do we know it actually increases your chances of winning, or did we think it was and we use it on that model? I think they have been putting their team together wisely to what the analytics say to put it together. But I think the potential is there that they're driven so far by analytics that there may be something like, well, they do this really well, but that's not really that important. And they forgot this part over here that is, that maybe DVOA doesn't measure. They're really good. I'm, I'm with you. But I still think the question comes down to, can they play from behind? If the Chiefs win this game, I think they play from in front. I agree, yeah. And if the Ravens have to chase, it's real different. It and, I, and I think that's why the first half looked like it did. Once they get it going, they're a snowball going downhill. Right? So you do not want to watch them. Like I don't think you're going to see any 24 nothing Baltimore. And look at this, 48-31 Chiefs. Uh-uh. 
They like, get up 10, you're in trouble because they just, really lean on you. I think just when you just talk about the possessions of the game, yeah. I mean, the Ravens get up a couple scores. There's not going to be well, so and, and last 12 possessions. And as you know, if you're really analytically driven, when you get somebody down, it says go for the throat, and they do it. But I don't think they go for the throat when they're sitting there toe-to-toe. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Don't give up the field position. And that's why Houston stuck with them. And it was a 10-10 rock fight at halftime. Then they got a little something going, and here it goes. Now we really pour it on. Now now we're okay to try that. Now we're okay to do this. And I think they, they really lean on you. The Chiefs will fare better than the Texans did if they do get down. But I think this is one that... I mean, I'm probably going to pick Baltimore, I, I, I assume, the way it's looking right now with everything that I see that's out there numbers-wise. But if the Chiefs are winning, they're going to be plus two. Like, I, I, they're not coming out of this one minus one and winning, like they did last week. Yeah. And the week before, too, right? Edwards Alaire had the fumble the week before. Yeah. Right? I, no see, one that's, else. That's what I oh, no, they did. The Dolphins had a turnover. Edwards had a pick, right? Yeah, yeah the, right. Right. That's a, the the other piece of what you said that I'd point out is like the Texans are in that game, but it's because they have a, a punt return for a touchdown. Like, and then in the second half, who's the story at the end of the game? Well, but Lamar that, doesn't, Jackson, that doesn't prevent this analytic machine of an offense from scoring more points. They didn't. They they no. sat there at ten points. Well, that's what I was going to say. At the, at the end of the game, the the story of the game becomes Lamar Jackson rushed for 100 yards, two touchdowns, pass for two touchdowns, great second half. But guess guess why they win the game? Because the defense allows three points the entire game. The defense allowed like 220 yards in that mm-hmm. game. Like their defense, and their offense is good. Before the last week of the season, I thought you know they they were top five offense statistically by by most of the metrics, and in some metrics top two or three. And then they sit their their starters that that does matter, of course, to the to the the broader picture statistically. But we all know who's playing in the, in the last game against the Steelers. But the defense has been number one all year, and. And I do I, like I am a believer that great offense beats great defense, but this defense is great. And until this last, you know, this this Bengals, um, Dolphins, Bills stretch that the Chiefs have had offensively, particularly the Bills game, I said it was their best offensive game of the season. We weren't calling the Chiefs' offense a great offense, right? Um, and so, are you still calling it? Are you calling it a great offense? Now? Well, I, th- I think. Um, I think the worst performance we've seen from this offense since Patrick Mahomes arrived was the Christmas Day game against the Raiders. And it, if this team makes a Super Bowl, wins a Super Bowl, we're going to be looking at that and saying it was the best game that they had for them. Because it was a wake-up call. And it was the way it was a wake-up call, though. It, it was that they had to have the conversation and say, the reason it looks so ugly post-snap is because the pre-snap stuff is just a mess. They just played in the hardest environment that they've played in. They had to do silent count stuff. And did we talk about pre-snap stuff? You know how many penalties, offensive penalties they had against the Bills? One. Well, was, that was accepted. Was, you're right. It was, but it was it was Juwan Taylor's, um, you know, got to have it per game penalty. They didn't have any pre-snap penalties <laughs> in that game. And guess what? It's because when you have all day to assess stuff, you can line up better. Um, like, 
the pre-snap stuff is is what's turned this this team's offense around, and it it happened because it looks so bad against the Raiders. Who does Sam McDowell think is going to win this game in Baltimore? We'll get his prediction on it. Sam McDowell, brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry, ninety fifth and Antioch, the best in the business. It's where I go every time uh, for my jewelry. I bought a beautiful necklace was the last thing I bought at Joslin's Jewelry. Your repairs, happy to do repairs as well. Happy to be a mom and pop jeweler. You know what that means? It means a lot of folks that work very hard to make sure you get the best jewelry uh, for whoever you want to give it to or give it to yourself for crying out loud. And if you need an engagement ring, more than a thousand to choose from, uh, go see Gary Joslin and his great staff at Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, online at joslinsjewelry.com. We're talking to Sam McDowell here on the program, columnist for the Kansas City Star, proudly brought to you by our friends at Joslin's Jewelry. If you're looking for that perfect engagement ring, Gary Joslin's got it with over a thousand rings to choose from. Uh, if it's time to uh, give the most important piece of jewelry you'll ever give, there's only one place in Kansas City that's been making those dreams come true for more than 40 years. It's Joslin's Jewelry at 95th and Antioch, online at joslinsjewelry.com. Uh, so who are you picking? Pick the Chiefs, actually. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, interesting. Uh, Captain Analytics over there. You're gonna go with your heart. The team you've rooted for your whole life. <laughs> um, look, I, I have less of a reason than I did last week to pick the Chiefs. Last week, I thought that um, the Bills, that the rest disadvantage mattered. The Bills were beat up a little bit defensively, and I had heard a lot throughout the week about Mahomes and just the excitement he had about playing on the road. The last piece of that is the only part that I think translates to this next game because I mean the Ravens. I don't think it translates still there. at all. I think he's now done it. I he's still think it does. That box. I still think it does. You do. Um, I think that this has the opportunity to be a legacy postseason for Patrick Mahomes. And look, the guy's legacy in Kansas City already is what it is. Um, but so, so if he, if so he's really going to try. Let, let me let's, let let's me, be clear. When you say that, like, oh, it's a legacy. It's got a chance to be a legacy. Oh, so he recognizes the moment. So now he's going to try. Like, you know, I mean, I kind of try over there. But now I'm going to try. I don't think it's, it's all, a legacy. I don't think moment. it's all trying. I don't think that's all that goes into like being more amped for a game. Um, I think there's so more being more amped. Every time I hear him talking about being amped, he says he needs to calm down. I that, think that's not a positive I the think, way he spends it. I think there's more. Um, you know, I think there's more focus that goes into a week. Um, I, I, I think leadership matters in these these types of moments in the postseason for sure. I think it matters that the Chiefs have played in this game five straight years. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, if if the Chiefs were to win this year's Super Bowl, obviously Patrick Mahomes would have three. Which one would be the most impressive? There's there's no question. It's this one, sure, because they'd be the underdog t- probably three times. They'd have to, and th- they've only been a playoff underdog once ever and it was a one-point underdog against the eagles now they ironically this time last year we were talking about them being an underdog against the Bengals. they just finished as the favorite before kickoff um but i I think that stuff matters to the quarterback and then i I do think that they figured out something offensively like i i I think that the trend here is is what i've been talking about for three weeks i think the pre-snap stuff matters and i think it's the reason that we're seeing such better results with with the offense but like if I mean I'm fifty five forty five on that. Last last week I will say going to the Bills game, I, I felt pretty strongly the Chiefs were gonna win that game. Um I don't feel strongly the Chiefs are gonna beat the Ravens, but having to pick it's fifty five forty five, I'd say Chiefs. And what was the score? I, just I, I ballpark, think, what are you feeling? I think because of um I do think they'll be similar to Buffalo that there'll be fewer possessions in the game. Um so about 
23-20. Look, I mean, the Chiefs were way more dominant last week than the 27 points showed because, I mean, they scored in the first five possessions. And then, you know, they they only had five third downs the entire game. Like, Buffalo couldn't even give them to third down. And one of those third downs was the last play of the game, preceded by two kneels. Uh, and so, they were still fighting off a, t- a tying field goal. They still needed a missed field goal. They only had they only had one third down conversion. This this could have been your uh, trivia question. Make it later in the week, just in case somebody somehow doesn't listen to my segment. Uh, they only had one third down conversion the entire game. So I looked up because I was like, has a team ever won a playoff game having only one third down conversion? The stat head on that goes back to about two thousand. Can you guys recall one other team has done it where they had one third down conversion? It was oh, is it somebody like the Rams? It was a Super, in it was a Super Bowl game. The only playoff game wow. that's ever been done um, until the Chiefs. I assume it was somebody that was really successful on offense and just was, didn't get there. It was the third down very often. It was the uh, it was the opposite. So it was the the Broncos went one for fourteen on third down when they beat the Carolina Panthers. The Von Miller wow. game. Okay, one, does he until? Sunday in Buffalo is the only time a team had converted only one third down since 2000 and won a playoff game. But unlike that game, relying on the defense, this is because the offense was so efficient that they didn't even need to get to third down, which is why when we look back at the McCole Hardman play, for example, <laughs> I think a lot of people – yeah, I wasn't going to mention them today. I sure think you were. But I Top think of your list. You got a little <laughs> – you got all these Post-it notes on your computer. <laughs> but I think, a lot of, I think a lot of people are in, inaccurately looking at the big picture of McCole Hardman for what their frustration on that play. And for me, the frustration on that play should be just look at the first three freaking quarters – you didn't have this is a team that at times this year has had to be cute because their offense hasn't been as efficient not on sunday their offense was as efficient as it literally has been all year the only time they'd really made a mistake all game was when you gave it to that guy earlier in the game so to me the frustration like mccall hartman's been pretty good on jet sweeps in his career people don't want to say that but he has been yeah he has that was not a time where you needed to be cute because you were so efficient offensively and so therefore if the offense has looked a little different these past three games with Patrick Mahomes, I think Andy Reid and Matt Nagy need to adapt to it being more efficient as well. Do you think it's going to be efficient against Baltimore's defense? Not as efficient as it was Sunday, um, but more so than like Houston, for example, had against them. I, I, I think their offense is in a pretty good spot right now. Okay. We'll see. He's picking the Chiefs. Sam McDowell, columnist for the Kansas City Star, joins us every Tuesday in the program. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll give you the things you need to know. All right, how many players have had 65 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 assists in an NBA game? Brought to you by Good Sense.